We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We got Eric, we got AJ, we got Rudo coming to you live at Avalanche Off Day. Uh, a couple of things we'll talk about today. Uh, but obviously the big news the other day was Patrick Waugh getting back into the NHL. He now has his first win as a head coach of the New York Islanders, which of course came in overtime because it is Patrick Waugh after all. That's uh, the secret to his head coaching success has been close games that he finds ways to get his team to win. I- I'm curious. I want to I wanna hear from both you guys on the Patrick Waugh uh, vibe. Uh, obviously, he's back in the NHL. It's been a, a long time since he's been an NHL head coach. I think it's safe to say there were some shortcomings in his head coaching in his tenure in Colorado. Uh, that conversation gets complicated because how much of those shortcomings were actually him also having the president of hockey operations title and making roster decisions instead of just coaching decisions. But do you think Patrick Waugh can be a successful head coach in New York? I'll give it to you. He could be. Um, I think the. I think what will help him the most is that he's got Lou ahead of him. Sure. On the on the decision making, and there's not going to be any messing around. You know, Lou Lamorello is not going to have any problems telling Patty Wada. Suck it egg, you know. Yep. <laughs> that it's his roster. He's there to build it. And he brought Waugh in to coach it, and that's the end of that. Yep. And there won't be the same kind of reverence of Waugh in for sure New York as there was in Colorado. So it's just a it's it, he just gets to go and be a coach, right? He's not, and and like not that Patrick Waugh will ever be just a coach. The fact that the Islanders broadcast last night had an ISO cam on the guy yeah. tells you that there's just a, there's uh, almost a Mike Tyson esque level of expectation of crazy. Yep. That this guy could do anything. The Is he going to run out onto the ice and fight somebody? Bang like a pane of glass down the other night right. was a disappointment. Like, like yeah. there's just a there's just a different. You know, Waugh being back in the league is good for the league because he's one of those guys. He's oh, one totally. of those, he's yeah. one of those personalities. Yeah. And so it's it it makes the league more interesting. It makes a kind of a forgotten about franchise much more interesting over the course of the rest of this year. Yep. Uh, can he be successful? It's it's an okay team. Um, I'm curious to see how his coaching has evolved from when he last left. 
a because whole lot of counterattack and hope your goalie bails you out. Back yeah, there. I mean, his teams his teams got dominated, and yep. his teams weren't very good defensively. They didn't have very good defenses when he was here. Which That's could just play true. A, could yeah. play a role into why could they weren't very hard. good. Yeah. yeah, but also he didn't get much out of them, and you know we've seen his assistant coaches he sure seemed to know what he was doing in that regard there's some of them because, are still around uh, andre torini oh, yeah. is is running a pretty good team in in arizona these days um you know dave Farish was I, I actually don't know what he's up to but he was in the nhl for a long long time yeah, yeah. and then uh they hired nolan pratt yep before jared bender got hired they hired nolan pratt off of that bench off of that staff in Lake Erie. And then when Bednar got hired, Pratt was already here. He was already under contract. It was, it just worked out that way. Um, so it, it, it seemed like he had an idea of like how he wanted his defenses to look, but they could, he could, he, they could never get there. And he then went out and told Sackick that they just traded his best defenseman. in yeah. Nick Holden. So, yeah, that was a rough one. <laughs> and like, the prioritization of like Nate Gannon. Yeah. You know, there was, there were some guys in, in the way that he was with Zach Redmond. Mm-hmm. Zach Redmond was maybe like five years too early. Yeah. Um, in the, in the NHL's equivalent For of archetyping the, of, yeah. a, of a pace and space NHL. Um, but it's like some of that stuff you, you wonder. And some of the players that I've talked to from that era, you know, I was covering the team back then uh, in his final year. And, some of the some of the players that I talked to afterwards, they wore on him. He's uh, one of those coaches. That yeah, they has this lifespan. Yeah. It just seemed like it seemed like one of those relationships where he was tired of the guys in that room because he wasn't getting what he wanted. And it's Patrick Waugh. He has an, a, an expectation of excellence. Yeah. Um, and when he goes and he coaches and he dominates in juniors, it's one thing. But there have been a lot of great juniors coaches. It's a different ball game in the NHL. You know, you're not, he's going to get all kinds of respect, of course. He walks in that room and he has instant credibility. But it's, it's different when you're in the day-to-day grind. How is the coach putting us in a best position to be successful? How is the coach utilizing me? All this, all that. I'm Patrick Watt isn't a good enough answer at the end of the day for all those things. Yep. So uh, will he be successful to answer your original question? I, t- I really don't know fair i don't think it's a great roster but he's got a really good goalie and it should be a much better defensive team than it was i have no idea how the islanders were horrific defensively i know that they have a lot of injury issues this year especially on the blue line but it shouldn't have gotten as bad as it as it did under lane lambert which is fair but also keep in mind Patrick Waugh is picking this team up at game 44 or yeah. whatever it is for them. So implementing systems midseason is a tough ask. Well, we saw what a huge difference it made when Jared Bednar had got hired in the middle weeks. of August. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, it was very, very di- and, and it was very difficult. But at least in the middle of the season, it's a lot more of like we've seen mid-season coaching changes it's work. Worked, yeah. A lot in the NHL. Um, they're competitive. They're right in it. It was nice to see them actually win an overtime game instead of lose one <laughs> last night. And it happening the way that it did with Matt Duchesne's involvement was kind of a... 
That's funny. It, it felt a little. It felt a little karmic in yeah. ways where you were kind of like, eh, the right. world is in balance again. Now these guys can go their complete separate directions and don't have to be involved with one another ever again. Um, so it was interesting, but I, I think the number one aspect of this is that he answers to Lou, sure, and Lou doesn't answer to anybody. He doesn't have free reign. Yeah. He's not, you know, there's not like a, it's not like a collaborative uh, with, with Joe Sackick. It's not like a, hey, pal, do you want to go get Francois Beauchemin? <laughs> do you want to go get Brad Stewart? Are there any more old broken down guys that we can go pick up and play a bunch of minutes on our blue? You know, it's, that's not going to happen in New York with the Islanders. Lou's going to do what Lou's going to do and, and Wall has to make the best of it. And he's just got to figure out how to be the best coach he can be. I'm curious how he'll handle that. But I wonder if there was a little bit of humbling that happened with the way he left Colorado and seeing the success that they had without him was maybe uh shit. Yeah. Did I and mess this one up? Yeah. How much how much has he grown since then? How much ownership does he take of, of it ending in Colorado? Um, those are all gonna be key factors in the the level of success that he has with the Islanders. Yeah. I mean, I'll just say my yeah. right. Yeah, you know, I'll just um, everything happens for a reason. That's the way I take it. Um, maybe he wasn't ready, you know, to to have his tenure in Colorado. You know what I mean? Like it's when I say that, I mean all the respect in the world to all the anybody that was involved, whether it was players or management or. Um, he comes in, and, and you got to remember, it was Avalanche 1.0, right, which we always refer to. And then, Dan, it kind of got stripped down to, you know, the, the rebuilt, right, so to speak. And, you know, we youngest team in the league and lowest payroll in the league. And, yeah. Uh, and I was part of those years there, uh, you know, with a thin front office staff that we had. And, and, and it was wearing on you because it was so different than what we were used to. You know what I mean? Um, because the Avalanche were... The mecca, right, of the NHL, and it was for that decade of, of success they had, and then, um, and then you you go in there, and then you know Joel comes in there, and Patrick comes in there, and then the the the, the shine is back, right, and it was so crazy if you remember, like people were so excited, and um, he was excited, and and you got to remember he had stopped playing, and you know he was such a warrior competitor. We don't need to go back to the accomplishments, but but Patty's a worker. And Patty owned that junior team, and, and I'm from there, so I can tell people, and even the listeners, like, it's amazing what they did with that franchise and juniors. It's, 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 it's amazing from the ownership standpoint to, to obviously winning the Mem Cup back then. You're talking about th this past spring was the second one, right? Yeah. So we're talking about Patty's a worker. Patty didn't mind getting on the bus and 15-hour bus rides with the young, you know, players. And, you know, it's it was never like, oh, I'm – I'm Patrick. Well, I don't drive the bus. I will meet you guys there. You know what I mean? And and he's he just loves the game. And I remember when he's playing here too. Like when I was his teammate, he was always in the coaches' offices. And and it wasn't about talking about the team uh, itself because I think he knew there was a barrier too. Like you know, hey, we're all teammates and there's coaches. And but he was in there every day, like learning drills to whatever it was Crawford or Hartley or whatever. And it's about his, his son's teams because you would love going to practice at night and you could be a coach on the ice for those kids in Littleton. and um, So he's always had that passion to coach and the passion for the game. So 
he comes in here. He's the coach. Joe's there. You know, they have a great, you know, first year in the standings, right? Well, Varley was awesome. And, you know, the, the shine was back. And, and then they go and, and get some older players, like you were just saying. And it maybe wasn't the right time. You know, after we had stripped it down, when I say we, because I was part of it, you know, and then maybe it wasn't the right time to, to jump into, right? And then and then you do that, those players that you get in there, you know, Jerome McGinley, or again, Hall of Famer, I'm not that. I'm, just wasn't the right mix, I think, you know, going back. And you were covering... <laughs> Um, on a daily basis, you would have a better answer to me than that. But well, what happens is then you, you, you see that you have the title. The dual title, I think, was a mistake. You know, that if I go back to it, um, and you got to remember back then, Daryl Sutter was one of the last ones that had it, right? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And, it, and, it's, and the NHL evolved so much as a business over probably right around that time that it was probably too much. And then you go in there, and then maybe there's there's characters that you don't really associate with on, on on the ice, meaning on some of the players. Let's say it's Matt Duchesne or whatever it is, right? I mean, we all know the yeah. you know the example of when he talked about Dutchie when he scored his thirtieth, and you know, probably wasn't his. That's not what I want. That's not how I want to be uh, the coach of these types of players. And and then when you have that dual title, then you feel that you're you know. Well, I have my say in this. And then, you know, you got to remember, uh, you know, one of the greatest uh, throughout all this chaos, um, a gentleman by the name of Chris McFarland got hired, which probably ended up being the, one of the greatest hires in Avs history. <laughs> Turned I'd out be, pretty well. No, I'm being honest. Like, you know what I mean? And probably not even realizing it that they needed that. And then Chris ends up being like, you know, awesome nowadays because we all relate to him now because he is the man in charge. And. But you got to remember, he came in at that time because it's a little bit of a chaos. And so if I go back to it, and then Patty, I think it's well documented. Last year, he came out or last summer, and you know he went public and said it. A, I made a mistake in Colorado. The way I left is not the way you do things. You know, and he was he was man enough to say it. B, uh, he was man enough to say that it was too much. The NHL nowadays to be a coach and and be involved in the front office that. It probably doesn't make sense. There's too much work involved, and now he realizes it. I think he was at a time and place in his life that, you know, the way he exited was wrong. Uh, he goes back to juniors because that's, you know, what he does, and he's like, I'm going to go back. And I thought, I think he thought it was, it ended up being way longer than he thought or expected to be. I don't think he expected it to be seven, eight years, right? Because I am Patrick Waugh, right? And, and he is. He's got a presence, and I tell you all the time, I play with a lot of guys. You want to go win one game, that's my guy. Of all the guys to play with, that's my guy because he is a winner, and he, he can be nuts about it at times, right? You know, just overbearing about winning. And um, so I, I don't think he thought it was going to take that long. And I think what he did last year was I think he told himself, this is going to be my last year in juniors. They went out on top. They were outstanding. He changed his philosophy a little bit towards youth and, and, and you know, adapting to today's generation and surrounded himself with – he's always surrounded himself with good, like you said, with good staff, even in juniors. I mean, those guys are all working in hockey, you know. And then all of a sudden he thinks there's going to be some openings and then boom, again, there's no openings. You know what I mean? Meaning, sorry, there are openings. He's not the selected one. And that's tough on your ego. And I think that 
obviously I've been spent some time at the Hall of Fame there a few months with him uh, a few months ago with him. I, I was shocked. I mean, because we talked, and I'm like, I can't believe this team didn't call you. I can't believe this. You're not even like in the running there, or you know, and 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 I could feel like a that he was disappointed, and I think he had just kind of said, okay, I'm gonna take the year to go to Florida and play golf, and just kind of, you know, wait and see where this thing goes, and if and if it ever comes back, then I'll be very disappointed if it never works out. But I remember him telling me, like, all I want is another chance to show that the way I came, I went out, it was wrong. You know what I mean? And I'd like to, I'd like a mulligan because he loves golf, right? He, he goes, I'd like a mulligan. Um, I think I can do better. I think I've learned. And he looked very at peace, honestly, because this is a guy that I spent a lot of my childhood with. And uh, because he was my dad's client, you know, for if anybody listening is not aware of that. But, and then obviously their relationship with the Avalanche. But, um, this is a guy that does well when he has a mentor. And I'm not going to be emotional here, but my dad was his mentor. Forget about his parents and, you know, great people. My dad was his mentor, like for hockey. And, and when I tell you that, like it's, it's living down the street from one another. It's talking to each other every day. And it's, it, it was a partnership. And, and, and my dad was an older gentleman compared to him, right? So it was more like he always respected that authority. You know what I mean? And, and he always felt that um, it was a good crutch for him. You know what I mean? And he felt good because to be that powerful mentally, like sometimes it's a little bit much as we saw his yeah. exit from here, you know. Uh, and, and if you don't have your crutches, sometimes it's they it can make you make a wrong move. And, and, and as much as this reminds me so much of, of his relationship with my, my dad because Lou is very similar to my dad and that's why those two got along really well. And and now I think that Lou Lamarillo with him is something that he was accustomed to for for twenty plus years, you know what I mean, on a daily basis with his life and, and his his mentorship as a player and then as a you know uh, as a coach and you know what I mean and you know as a father, as a parent, as anything you want, you know what I mean? And I think that, I think he's found it this time, and I think he knows that he's not trying to be anything else than a coach, and I think it's going to be successful. And I think if you saw it in the last couple of days, the National Hockey League is a better league with Patrick Wall, and there's no doubt about it. He is a character. He is a, you know, like he is something that people relate to or you know what i mean and and they want to see and you know it's uh, you know because of all the things that he's won and everything so i think it's awesome he's back i think it's it's gonna work uh the way it's set up and and, and right now you should see the montreal like it's he's, he's in there thursday night he's actually playing the canadians thursday it is absolutely crazy i mean they're the broadcast was shifted in, in in Quebec. They send the real crew to the game last night. They did the game live. I mean, it's not. I mean, it's he is an icon in the National Hockey League, but he's also almost a cult hero, like in Quebec and Montreal. And it's and it's polarizing at time too. You know, <laughs> you don't like him, like him. So I think it's great. I think that he's learned a lot. I think he's grown up a lot. Um, and I sure am proud that he's back. I got a question for each of you first. Yeah. Did 13-14 and the success the Avs had with Patrick Waugh that first year set him up for failure in Colorado? Um, I think it's unfair to say it set him up for failure. Because, the team in general, perhaps. Well, yeah. and, and I think the other, I think part of the story that gets lost in this, and we talk about 
well, I had too much power. There's too much this, too much that. But Joe Sackick was also new at being a GM. Absolutely. He was not established in that job. So, you know, having Wah come in um, and then the immediate success that they had, it was a little bit before analytics had really started to take over. Uh, and, and, and take, uh, God, I was in the room that day, man. <laughs> JJ Jerez is the one who asked him that, asked him the question about Fenwick and he called him Fenways. And it was, <laughs> that's a moment I'll, I'll remember for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. But to that point, to exactly that, he, he gave us hints that they had some level of internal modeling, some private, whatever the, yep. data, the data that they were using. It was not something that the organization was making decisions off of at the time, at least a lot of them. Yep. And I think that it set them up for failure in that they thought they were better than they were and that they needed, they, they relied, uh, from, from a front office perspective, they relied on very old school hockey mentality to try to make that roster better. Sure. I mentioned Francois Beauchemin. Uh I, I mentioned how things went with Zach Redmond, who was like, let's be real. He was like a 6'7". Yep. Maybe he would have been good elsewhere. Maybe he wouldn't have been. He, he was only ever okay. But be really hard for that guy to fit in a lineup that also had Tyson Berry. Exactly. Like he, he would have had a role maybe in, in other situations at the time. It was a tough, it was a tough spot. Um, but they're, you know, the signing Jerome McGinley, mm-hmm. uh, losing Paul Stasny in free agent. Like, there were things that happened. Uh, there, there, were, there were decisions that got made along the way where they said, you know, we're going we're gonna to try to win right now. They, you know, they, the Mikhail Bodker, Sean Mathias trade deadline acquisitions were win now moves mm-hmm. to try and get them into the eighth seed. Yep. And, they couldn't even do that. Like, it was just a bad, it just wasn't a good enough team. Yep. It wasn't a bad team. And, and those are like 80-point teams. Yep. And they just, it, it was, Sakic hadn't found his feet as a GM at the time. He hadn't found a good way to operate. And then you look at the big difference in the first two years, the way that they handled their business versus the end of Waugh's tenure. And then obviously... Wow. That last summer, they make all the decisions. They make all of the, the we're signing, you know, Joel Colborn gets, doesn't get a qualifying offer after a 20 goal season in Calgary. Happens. We're going to yeah. give him a two year deal, right? Like it's, it's like all short term. Everything is just very like, whatever's going to happen this season is going to happen. And then we're going to move on from it. Yep. Yeah. And Wah was clearly not happy with it. Yep. And you, bring, you mentioned Chris McFarland. Chris McFarland got hired that year um, because, thank, goodness for columbus <laughs> deciding to restructure their entire front office that's right they were going to keep mcfarland on as an agm but it was a lesser role as yeah. an agm he had opportunity to do something a little different uh, in colorado he got the same gig but with a little with an opportunity for upward mobility boy did he take it and it and with him it brought a different philosophy it brought in an embracing of analytics it brought in an embracing of a lot of things that have led yep. to Colorado's front office being one of the cutting edge yep. tip top front offices over the last eight years. That, that, that was huge. And I think you can 
trace some of the 2013-14 complete fluke success. That was not a good enough team to be where it was. For sure. Might have been a, still been a playoff team, but for it to win its division and have the season that it did, it, it's ridiculous. You look back and you're like, some of the great avalanche teams in history, and you're like, that one's in the middle of it where you're just like, eh. It, also took a Vesna caliber season for them to get as yeah. far as they did. And and like they won a lot of games in the last minute. Yep. There was a lot of you you notice how teams will occasionally pull a goaltender now with four or five minutes left. Yeah, that was all, all Patrick. And Moore. we don't yep. and, and like that was his biggest impact on it. Yep. But it did not take the league by storm the way that it did that year. Yeah. Where people were like, what's going Colorado how does the code? This keep working. This just did they figured out hockey. <laughs> You lose for two and a half periods, pull the goaltender with nine minutes to play, win the game. It's just, I don't understand. And then teams started just getting rocked. In those, and so it became like you give up like 12 goals per 60 when you're it's like, pulled. It's, yeah. it, now it's like, okay, instead of pulling the goalie with 90 seconds, it's more like two and a half, two minutes. and a half yeah. to three minutes. We'll do it now. But he definitely did bring in a, a, that element of it. Mm-hmm. But from a personnel standpoint, uh, the best way that this is going to work is lose there yeah he, he doesn't have to do any of that anymore no. so i i would say yes long-winded way to say yes and i'll go quickly on it like to 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 defend joe so to speak is and it was new for joe you mentioned that too yeah. it was brand new and and you you gotta do it at your own personality and joe was going to be joe joe was never going to change himself like be something he's not and and maybe we talk about fit on a roster all the time. When you look back at it, maybe Patrick wasn't the right fit for him. It sure looked great, you know, because it's the Avalanche 1.0 greats and you're coming back and the shine is back and, you know, but maybe it wasn't the right fit. Obviously it wasn't uh, where all of a sudden it's new for him and it just didn't work out that way. And then all of a sudden you start like bickering on, you know, how does this work? And no, this is how it works. No, this is how it works. And then this is, <laughs> then personalities get in the way. So, I think everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, ended up that he he he, he left unannounced and yep. um, all that kind of stuff. And then it worked out for the Avs, obviously. And Jared Bednar came in, and you know, it's been awesome since. And, and and like we talk about, Chris has been in here, and and now I think Patrick is. He went back to work, and you know, got a little bit of a humble pie, and you know, like kind of took it like a man. And and now he's back, and I think he's very appreciative. Um, I could see it in his face last night watching the game. I, I could see he's very appreciative of being back in the league that he, quite frankly, he belongs in. You know, so I want to continue the walk conversation, but first, make sure you're getting your illegal pizza. Go get yourself a delicious burrito, queso to die for, all sorts of good stuff, fresh ingredients every day. When it comes to illegal pizza, go find one. Eleven different locations. There actually might be twelve different locations in Colorado now. So there's one near you no matter where you're at they also do happy hour from 3 to 8 p.m so go grab yourself a delicious burrito have a chat about patrick waugh and uh enjoy yourself a little bit one close to the dnvr bar too a great place to pregame events like our takeover coming up on the 26th so this friday uh we're taking over at ball arena good game too against la should be an interesting one uh going to be a fun one to watch there are still very few tickets available if you want to get in last second jump on it go grab yourself some uh and then we're also brought to you all by bet 365 go get yourself in with bet 365 sign up today with the dnvr 365 code with that qr code on screen 
And then you put $10 in your account, you get a bunch of bonuses. First, you put 5 bucks on any NHL game, you get $150 in bonus bets to do whatever you want with. It's just playing with house money. You can have a little bit of fun, you can win a little bit of money. It's awesome time. Second, when you have $10 in your account, take a screenshot of that, send it over to promo at thednvr.com, and we'll send you a coupon for a free DNVR shirt. You can get whatever one you want. I got this uh, Avs 2022 Champs shirt on right now. If you want that one, tons of other options. Doesn't even have to be an Avs shirt. If you want a Nuggets shirt or a Broncos shirt, we got a ton of options there. Just make sure you go to Bet365 and sign up with that DNVR365 code today. Of course, you must be 21 or older, physically located in Colorado. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call or text 1-800-GAMBLER today. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. There's two things I want to go here with Patrick Wass. Someone in the chat earlier asked about Waugh's ability to potentially adapt to the modern NHL game, particularly when it comes to defensemen. And there's two things there to mention. Obviously, you guys talked about the long time he spent in juniors. He's played with a lot of these kids coming up that play that style of hockey. And two, Tyson Berry, in a lot of ways, was a <laughs> prototype of the modern NHL defenseman, I think. And obviously, Barry's an extreme case of all offense, virtually no defense. But this concept of defensemen pushing your team the right direction, getting pucks up the ice and, and helping contribute to the offense. It seems like Patrick Watt can make that work. Certainly, as we've seen Tyson Berry's career, lots of head coaches have struggled to figure out how to use him. Patrick Watt didn't have that problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I watching again, we're not too familiar. I mean, I'm going to say we. Maybe you guys can say no, I am, but... You are, but I'm not too familiar with the New York Islanders. I mean, it's not a team I watch on a nightly basis. And, you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm just not, for whatever reason, right? You know, I watched them last night. I'll tell you one thing, though. They got a real deal in Noah Dobson. That is, uh, wow, was I impressed by that guy yesterday. And, and I know it's been kind of a slow rise a little bit, right? You know, but uh, always got a horse there in my book. Like, you know, like, yeah. I think in a lot of people's book. But I think, yes, I, I think he'll, he'll be fine. I think he's, uh, two points to this. Yes, he, he knows how to deal with today's youth, obviously. Uh, I haven't been in so many major junior games, you know, involved in and owned and coached and, and had success with. Um, and B, yes, I'd be lying to you to tell you that, you know, these offensive defensemen were his favorite when he was playing. No, he liked the stay-at-home guys. He loved the Sylvain Lefebvre's of the world, and you know what I mean. Like it's, as a goalie, that's you know what I mean. That's that's what that's what he liked, and, and that's what he's trying to to say. But I think he's able to adapt. I think he'll be fine. You get an ace like Kel McCarr, like oh no, you skate too fast. You're too good offensively. I don't like you. You know what I mean. Of course, he's not like that, but. A game has evolved a lot in the last five years. A game has evolved a lot. I'm talking about the NHL game the last 10, 15, 20 years. And he's so passionate about the game that, you know, I think that this time around you'll see a little bit of a – and he said it yesterday. He's not going to shy away from it. He goes, hey, defense wins championships. I mean, and to, to, to that extent, the Avalanche, once they figured that out too. Yeah. And the Nates and the, those – I mean, you got to take care. And Bednar's got them right now playing too, like – those guys are, you, you talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's what everybody complains about the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? You know what I mean? They don't really care about one side of the ice. Well, the McKinnons of the world and the Ranton, I mean, and, and Kale McCarr, I mean, those guys take care of their own end. And I think that that's kind of what Patty was kind of saying yesterday. 
defense wins championships, and I think that you know, obviously, if you can just push everything to modern day NHL to get offense from your back end, I, I don't think he'll be opposed to that. And there will have to be some level of like living with, just accepting. Yep. Hey, you have some of these offensive guys. You're going to give some up. They are who they are. Yeah. You know. Kill McCarr this year. If you there's one knock on his game this year is that the zone puck management. A lot of goals against with Kill McCarr on the ice this season. A lot of goals for. Net positive. But a lot of yeah. goals against. More than you would want out of your number one guy that is going to play as often as he is. <clears throat> Can he just be cool with that? Can he just accept it? Hey. Adam Pellick has been a great shutdown, lockdown defender over the last couple of years. Doesn't mean you can play him 28 minutes Noah a night. Dobson's yeah. taking that job. Yeah. Noah Dobson's better. I thought he was a stud last night. And, yeah. and it's not just that Noah Dobson's offensive game has, has come up. That obviously helps. But Noah Dobson's all-around game has gotten so good. That's right. The guy's a monster. It should be very easy for him to walk in and be like, Adam Pellick is now my... Second pairing defenseman. <laughs> Very easy to do. Just let it ride. So, it, it, but yeah, the, the adjustment of how will he handle the defenseman. And right. yeah, it's, it's a very different game. It's very, I compared it earlier to the pace and space era of the NBA. It's faster than it ever has been. It's more predicated on speed. Possession has never been more important. That's partially because <laughs> the Colorado Avalanche happened. Yep. You know, the, it's a copycat league, as they say, and everybody wants to do. Everybody wants to be the Avs. Yep. Why wouldn't you? Must be nice. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, actually. Uh, but before we get there, I wanted to ask you because you kind of mentioned, yeah, you know, felt like Lane Lambert didn't have the team where they wanted to be. Yeah. Did he get a fair shake? Do you think he got a, a real runway to be the head coach of the New York Islanders, or? Was this maybe a little premature? Was this maybe a UC Patrick Waugh's head name in lights type move? I think he got an opportunity. Uh, he had a GM that is going out of his way to make a win now roster. And I think the roster is okay. Like when it works well, it looks great. When it doesn't, you're just kind of like, ugh, poor Ilya Sorokin. Like this is tough. He's good too. <laughs> but, but with Ilya Sorokin and Semyon Varlamov, you've got – a steady They're base there on that in. back yeah. end. And, you know, the, the forwards, you go through those lines, and, and last year the Islanders couldn't score. Yep. This year the Islanders can't defend. <laughs> I know that there are, uh, there are injury issues involved in why they've had problems on the defensive side, but... Boo-hoo, every team has that. It, they do, and Lane Lambert, like, when you have problems that pronounced and they're different... And the roster has not changed a whole lot. To me, that just says you have a coach that just doesn't know how to get the most out of it. It's also a team that emotionally just folded up shop in games. They've lost a ton of overtime games. They've blown a ton of third-period leads. Like, half that, roster, give, yeah. half that roster signed for like two-plus years. Yep. The, the easiest thing here is Lane Lambert. Sure. And... It was going to be, I think it was always going to be tough with Lane Lambert being Barry Trotz's right hand man for so long. For him to, it just to be like, oh, hey, like this will work really well. <laughs> it did not. Yeah.
Um, just for my money, uh, it would be it would be hard. If I'm running a team, it would be hard for me to give Lane Lambert a job again in the future. Sure. Without him going on and, uh, you know, maybe Having success maybe, elsewhere. Yeah. yeah, maybe being a head coach in the AHL, running his own bench for a while. Because, you know, when you're that guy's, when you're the assistant for that long, when you're the right hand guy for that long, you don't get any experience at the top. Even if it's, even if it's whatever level it is, juniors, AHL, whatever, you don't get any of that experience at the top. And so I would wonder, you know. If I'm Lane Lambert, that's probably what I would be focusing on doing, not taking an assistant job yep. in Minnesota next to John Hines. Try to you get know, the head something coaching like that. thing yeah. sorted out. Yeah. I would try to I would try to get a head job on an AHL bench and and go from there. Get get that experience. Yep. Uh, running running your own bench and and fixing your own problems as you go. He's a good guy too. Like I I met him on a non hockey like, uh, you know, like situation. Um, good guy, really liked him. Not that we're friends, and you know, but I'm gonna add one more thing about this this Patty uh, hire. Um, and I've said it before on this show, and I'll say it again. Lou Lamarillo is a big fan of the Montreal Canadiens of the '70s influence. He is. He he is. And he, if you sat down with him, he'd tell you that. Um, that's why he's always had, uh, you know, former players that were part of that. Um, tradition of the Canadians. That's why he's hired them in the front office. Go back to Jacques Lemaire. Go back to Larry Robinson. Uh, the list Jacques Laperriere. Dan Laperriere's dad. Um, Montreal Canadiens influence obviously was huge here in Denver with the Avalanche 1.0. I've said it before. The Paddy Water, Mike King, Claude Lemieux, Sylvain Lefebvre. I mean, those guys came in and they were taught by the older Serge Savard, Larry Robinson. Um, so, so Lou's always been a fan, and he's always had people. And you got to remember, and Patty said in his press conference yesterday, Jacques Lemaire is still with Lou. He's still a consultant for coaches with the Islanders. And then that was big for Patrick to, to have that. And he said it yesterday. He goes, I, I, I feel that. That's why I know he's, he's changed in, in his philosophy. You know, he said it. He brought it. Jacques Lemaire said he's only a phone call away or he's he's right there on some games and and it's important for me and he goes I told Jacques I need to hear it. there's no black and white you tell me and he goes I told the same thing to to, to Lou and uh, so I want to say that the Montreal Canadiens influence of the 70s is, is big for Lou and I think that it had a lot to do with Patrick was higher you know what I mean obviously Patty being an ex-Montreal Canadian I've been learned from all those guys and then obviously he did say that they talked about the 2001 Cup, and Lou wasn't very impressed with Patty bringing that up. And then, you know, I told him to basically shut the F up. And then, uh, you know, but Patty was, you know, kind of bringing that on. I think Patty's uh, he, he's very proud of his heritage, you know, pr- proud of his background. And and he is a student, uh, not a student, but a fan of the game. And, uh, and like you said, he respects the game. And, and I think that, had a lot to do with it. Obviously, the Islanders losing like four in a row, and then Lou doesn't waste time, right? We all know that. Over the years, he pulls the trigger. He's not afraid to pull the trigger. Um, and I think that it's like, okay, maybe this is the time for me to to go get this this legend, you know what I mean, uh, so to speak, in the National Hockey League. That's got the ties that I like, you know what I mean, like the like I was talking about, the Montreal Canadiens' influence, and I think well, it made him jump on it. <clears throat> you... You wonder too, like just there's a there's a personality 
For sure. You know, we're talking like, oh, how's he going to handle his defense and is the, the speed of the game and the way that oh. the game is played and all that. But, like, also, like, he's Patrick Waugh. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm surprised that a Toronto Maple Leafs rolled, ran it back with Sheldon Keefe yeah. under new management, decided launch, that was... Man. Just gonna do this again, yeah. Know? And and then all the the upheaval in Ottawa this year, that oh they're looking for stability. You're also looking for maturity. You're looking for you're looking for a change in your attitude. Yeah, you're looking for a guy that's gonna walk in and, and the expectation lives, is winning. Yeah, he lives and breathes winning. There's there's no way you could take that away from Patrick Waugh. Yep. yep, he lives and breathes winning. That's all he cares about. He gets up in the day. He gets up in the morning, thinking, "All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna win this. We're gonna win. How do, how do I win? How do I win?" And and I think that's for an, certainly not a young team like the Islanders. I don't know if I would call them an older team, but kind of kind of a team that is what they are at this yeah. point for the next several years. And a team stuck in neutral. At least it's a direction. Yeah. At, at least they've had the balls. A guy that. To, to take the chance and say, hey, well, pros, cons, it, it, he brings he brings a a certain give a shit. If you can't win this with this guy, you might just not be able to win exactly. with this core type thing. And, yeah. and, and it's a, you know, we talk so much in Colorado uh, covering the avalanche about culture. Sure. And you can look at, uh, I, I definitely... Toronto and Ottawa are two teams. Culture is, for me, a huge problem with those franchises. I think and there's no doubt in Ottawa for sure. Yeah, and I think the Islanders were kind of just stuck with no culture. Yeah, you know, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It wasn't a pro. It wasn't just a con. The have other a, team in New York. Yeah, yeah, they have they have a captain. Um, could could people from the other fan bases name him? Lee, right? Yeah. See, you weren't you weren't even one hundred percent sure. Yeah. <laughs> Had to think about. It. I thought it could be Brock Nelson for a second, but no. so yeah. It and and like they just didn't. It, it they just sort of are adrift as an organization. Yeah. And with Waugh, you're picking a direction. Hey, we're trying to win. Uh, Lou Lamoureux has given up like three first round picks in the last four years to acquire players, and then sign guys to deals. Like the guy's trying to yeah. build a roster to win. He's doing what he can. Guys that are out there and that are available, he's trying to sign him. Uh, JG Pajo and Paul Horvat and uh, Alexander Romanov, like all, he's bringing guys in and signing them to deals and doing whatever he can to try and make that a winning roster. And he's looking at the bench and he's like, "I don't, I, I need a stronger personality. I need something else here." Yeah. And there's no doubt that in in Patrick Waugh, they have that now. Will it work? There's no guarantee, but. If you're in Toronto, you're a Maple Leafs fan right now. You're looking at it going, we're, again, kind of floundering. Somehow we got midway through the season. We've signed Matthews. We've signed Nylander. And the conversation's about next year. We're not even at the All-Star game yet. We're talking about next year. Wild times. It's crazy. So, you know, and in Ottawa, again, Pierre Dorian had made moves, spent money. To try and make that team better, used a ton of draft picks. To try and make that team better, where are they? So it's, with, with Wah, it's at least a direction. Uh, the thing I will give 
Waugh credit for is I think he's a real dude. To compare and contrast him to someone like, let's start when he was a goaltender. Contrast him to Jordan Bennington. Two guys that I think were a little bit of hotheads on the ice, fair to say. <laughs> yeah. But you have one of them who backed that shit up. If Patrick Waugh yeah. said, got mad, he said, yeah, I'll throw hands, bro. I'll talk. Yeah. I'll go win championships. Jordan Bennington did win a chip, but you see that guy run his mouth, and when shit gets real, Bennington's hiding. I mean, Patrick Waugh never got pulled from a game and skated off the ice and shoved the opposing right. goaltender just because he was near him. Exactly. You know, there was Patrick, Patrick Waugh. We could talk all about the Michael Jordan-esque grind of being his teammate i'm sure you could definitely talk about how crazy he was at times it's, it's the way that he, the nathan mckinnon-esque there exactly but, oh, but the way that the way that he grinds on you but it's for a purpose jordan bennington i mean craig berube in public his, last his year own head coach. was like can he please just stop a puck and shut up <laughs> like your own head coach is asking like jordan bennington is a bitch for the sake of being a bitch yeah Patrick Patrick Waugh, you know, and and that's the difference. That's the the margin of error in sports. It's razor thin, yeah. It's you're a fiery personality when you win, and you're a bitch when you lose. Yep, but you're just an obnoxious, <laughs> annoying, grating personality when you lose. But but Patty, like, just to show you that he's always tried to be better, you know. And if you go back to that documentary with the Red Wings, there one line <laughs> sticks out so much in there because that because that's. As a fan, you're watching a documentary, but as someone that was in it, it's totally different. And I remember him saying, like, after four or five years, I said to myself, what are we doing here fighting these guys all the time? You know, like, maybe we should go back to just, like, trying to win. You know what I mean? And it's funny because it's exactly what happened. <laughs> We're so gung-ho on, this is going to be a brawl, and, you know, this is nuts. And, and then all of a sudden, he was at the, obviously at the, yeah. at the head of it. And then, uh, you know, to hear him say that 20-something years later, it's so funny because it's like, what are we doing here? Like, you know what I mean? It was I, That, for me, is my favorite line in the documentary. And if you haven't seen it, you should watch it. But um, it's unreal that he's just like, I came to my senses, like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? But it's. Yeah. But you're right. It is about winning with him. It's always about winning. And, and, and I think this shines through as a head coach. And you talked about it. You know, he's admitted that maybe he didn't handle it the right way. Yep. But. The source of Patrick Waugh leaving the Colorado Avalanche was a guy looking at this roster and saying, I can't win here. So and I wonder uh, if we were to sit him down and have an actual, like, genuine, thorough, fully honest conversation about it. I wonder how much of it is I can't win here versus I don't have the power in the front office anymore. Sure. They're going to make decisions regardless of what I want. And I feel... Like I've been stripped of a thing that is important to me. Whether, all of all of it leading up to right. The, oh my god, they bottomed out, and for a year he looked like a genius, <laughs> <laughs> like the most vindicated man in North America at the time was Patty Wall being like, oh, "Don't blame me, guys." Things turned around pretty quick, so everybody yeah. wins in the end, I guess. With That's Wall back, things happen for a reason. Very yeah. last question I want to ask on the coaching stuff. It is January twenty second. Is it? Is Patrick Waugh the last head coach that gets hired this season? Oof. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for me because Craig Berube is just sitting there. And I don't know if he wants to coach or if he, you know, yeah. whatever. But if I'm, if I'm the Maple Leafs, again, I look at them squarely 
particularly them. You've got a Bruce Boudreaux sitting out there too. Well, and I think I think Ottawa's like we can figure this out in the summer. We're not trying to. I'm sure. With all the nonsense that's happened in our organization over the last year, we'll wait. Which might have cost them a chance at a guy like Wah, but I think it's worse for the Maple Leafs who are trying to win trying now to and now there. now spending a ton of money on a roster that they're already talking about next year. Like that's crazy to me. And maybe they make some noise in this postseason, whatever. But I, I I'm gonna say no because I think I think somebody in that organization is finally just gonna pull the ripcord on Keith and say. We tried you know, for too long. Exactly. Here. Yeah. Like we, we waited and we waited. And I think this is especially true. If the Islanders rip off like an 82 yeah. under wall, something like that, they come out you of the all-star break. Coach bump go teams way. A little well, bit, they yeah. come out of the all-star break white hot. Right. Yep. And they, they're, they're winning. And now they've, you know, Toronto, it's an ultra competitive East. Yeah. Maybe Toronto starts to sink a little bit and they sink a little bit and they're in the wild card. Like, and, and there's a reality that they may not even make the postseason this year. Then I think you have to look at, uh, yeah. All of these things are why I think you could see it in Tampa, too. With John Cooper, a guy who was supposedly had some issues this offseason. Yeah, with Cooper, I think there would be, there's so much different elements there. that I get, I, I, He's I, been there forever. I get well, it. And, and but. the success that they've had, I think they would get to it. And they would kind of do like what the Patriots and Belichick did over the summer where they Just were like. Get to the end and say, and, all right, and, and be done. like, hey, yeah. we, Fair both, enough. we both want to move on here. And there's not a good guy or a bad guy. And it's a. We have reached the end of this relationship. We're going to move on. Instead of instead of calling John Cooper into a, a, an office one day and saying, "We're we're done." I, I, I think they would like to do that. But if you get to a month from now, if you're the, the trade deadline is approaching and Tampa is flirting with that line of, "Are they a wild card team? Are they not?" You could see someone make a rash decision. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I don't think this is the last coach. Okay. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm with you, AJ. And I don't think that's it. Well, hopefully, uh, we see more action because it's always fun to talk about the the probably craziness. somebody random just Todd somebody. McClellan <laughs> out of nowhere, right? Like just peace. They lose five more games in a row or whatever, and it's just like, well, you gave him Cam Talbot in net, like. <laughs> the Sharks lock in the worst season of modern NHL history and they fire David Quinn on like April 1st or something. Man, it would be yeah. cold to make a guy stand behind the bench for 70 of those games <laughs> kick him and then the be curb. like, all right, we're good. You know, we're good. <laughs> that would be cold blooded. Sharks. Cold-blooded. Well, make sure the way the coach protects his team that you're protecting your house with Red Hawk roofing. I don't really know if that works, but we're going with it. Red Hawk Roofing will take care of your roof no matter what's up. Even if you don't think there's anything wrong, they'll give you a free inspection when you get a hold of them. They'll go up on your roof. They'll take pictures. They'll make sure everything's all good. They'll give you a report. They'll let you know what's going on up there. Go to RedHawkRoofing.com today to get them, at least for the free inspection. There is something wrong. They can get it all fixed up for you, too. They're available 24-7. So even if an emergency happens, if you spring a leak or something like that, they can come out and they can get it fixed for you. Go get with them at redhawkroofing.com, another local company, just like us here at DNVR. So go check them out. Go get yourself some new shingles. Could you, like, shingle a, a, a hockey net? Would that work? I don't know, man. I don't know anything about shingles. Yeah, me either. I'm, I'm not a I big probably one. know more about shingles, the medical condition, than I do actual <laughs> shingles on a house. Fair enough. Yes. Fair enough. Uh, once you got your house all taken care of, you're going to want to leave the house and go see some cool sporting events. 
Get your tickets through game time. Uh, you can go to the Avs, you can go to the Nuggets, you can go anywhere in the country. When you sign up with code DNVR, you get $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. And Game Time, make sure you get the best prices on tickets. There's tons of ways to save money, whether it's waiting for last minute deals, using their section selector, you pick a section and they'll pick a seat for you. Saves you 18% on average. They'll even guarantee it. If you find a price cheaper anywhere else but Game Time, they'll reimburse your account 110% of the price. So go join the over 15 million people that use Game Time to get their tickets today. There's a link down in the description to download the app. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. AJ, you kind of uh, mentioned this the other day with a bunch of teams in a copycat league wanting to be the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah. I, I had a thought the other night as I was watching the Chiefs beat the Bills again. It's too soon. What are the Colorado Avalanche to the NHL? Are they the villain? Are they that team that won the cup once recently, but teams don't really think about? Are they the the team everybody respects, doesn't hate? Are they just some team in the NHL? What are they in the NHL? I think on look, we have to be on it. Like obviously, we think the Abs are really good, and we think that a couple of the guys on the team are pretty great dudes, and like you know we know them a little bit, and but. Uh, Nobody likes success, man. That's why that's nobody roots for success, like sustained success. It's why everybody wants the Chiefs to lose in the playoffs right now, right? Patrick Mahomes was fun for two years, and then we all got bored of him being so good. So now we want to rip him down. You know, yep. it, it's 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 one reason why people have spent years going after his wife and brother. We don't like we don't like success. Nobody did. Everybody in the world knows that Nikita Kucherov's kind of a whiny little punk. <laughs> Doesn't matter the fact that he's unbelievable. He's had a Hall of Fame career and he's amazing. But lasting images will be, you know, him throwing his gloves on the bench when the Avs were beating them in the cup final. Yep. Nobody likes success like that. Nobody, people outside of Colorado, they might begrudgingly be like, Kale McCarr's pretty cool, but I don't like the rest of those guys. Nathan McKinnon's not an in Deering personality. Definitely not. Guy <laughs> seems miserable to be around all the time. Like, let's be real here. As a competitor, you want that. You need that kind of edge to be successful at the highest level. But no, man, people people outside of when Landeskog was healthy, he was like Reddit's number one villain, dude. Like outside of Colorado, Gabe Landeskog is on this viewed the same level as, as Brad Marchand is. Yep. I hate that guy. If he was on my team, I'd love the hell out of him, but I hate that guy. <laughs> You know, like, and you throw all that into a blunder together, like, it's just, no, man, they're good, they're a good villain. 
Okay. They're a good villain because they're flawed, and so there are things that you can look at and be like, this is not their time for that. This is, no, 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 no. All right. But it's a begrudging respect because their talent is that good. Like, the best thing they have going for them is that Kale McCarr is, like, the most adorable superstar, and you still have an entire city that hates him. Look, every sports rivalry in history that has been good has been built on respect. Yeah, there's. A, I'll give you that. Built on. On top of it, there's a whole lot of hate yeah. and other shit going on. Yeah, it's but like, the the foundation is a two good teams going yeah, at each like, other. Does anybody care about the Flyers and Penguins rivalry now? No. No. When they were playing in the playoffs every year, yes, I cared quite a bit. Yep. Does is the the Battle of Alberta peaked like two <laughs> years ago? Yep. Boy, I watched it two days ago. Well, it wasn't much of a battle. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, I, honestly, I was like, huh. But the the beatdown of Alberta doesn't sound quite <laughs> as fun. Anyway. Uh, okay, so if you're that team, if you're the Colorado Avalanche, mm-hmm. is this is this the time to embrace the yes. villainy? Yeah. Yes. All right. Absolutely. Embrace 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 the villainy. The bad guy. You are the final boss of 31 other teams' game. Now it's Vegas as the defending champ. Yeah. Vegas is the villain right now. Sure. But there's like sub bosses that you have to fight to get to the final boss, right? The larger villain simply eating the other villains. Is that what this is? Uh, Yeah. It's like Galactus. Exactly. (laughs) Coming to to eat the planet. Yep. All good. No, it's they. The Avs are in that like small group of of teams where it's like I'm not rooting for them to win again. Like <laughs> it was cool when they they were cool for exactly one playoff series. Yep, because they stopped a three time Cup champ from happening. That uh, was it. A lot of people they think were, they were cool for beating Edmonton too. But sure, <laughs> sure. But you still had. I mean, can we? Do you remember that run? I do. There was. I mean, Wyshynski called them boring. He did. Bland. He said that their dominance was boring. Jared Bednar was a Ken doll. That wasn't Nobody likes that level of success. (laughs) It would have been fun had they been like, oh, we're in seven game series every round and look how hard we have to fight. No. They were too good. They immediately became boring. (laughs) They won. Now they're the bad guy. Be the bad guy. Be a villain. It's okay. Sports is built on good versus evil. Just be the bad guy. Use that as your edge. Competitors need it all the time. Us versus them is an extremely powerful motivating factor. Colorado versus the world is like CU's rallying cry. Be the villain. It's okay. Can you imagine that too? If you look at you talk about copycat league, look at the last few years you know you had Kucherov that comes back and everyone is just complaining and and then you have the Vegas Golden Knights with Mark Stone and oh yep. god he's faking it and, you know it's, it's whatever his operation and can you imagine Gabe Landeskog game one like, baby <laughs> <laughs> game one <laughs> that would be great Landeskog you starts know? practicing the first week of March yeah <laughs> sets up perfectly be the villain hey. and again we don't have any insight we're just talking about the villain but there you go I'm down for that villain arc. They say, hey, we won our legit cup. Now we do whatever it It doesn't takes. even matter. People still whine about it because, oh, Braden Point was hurt. Sure. Well, 
Well, people are always going to complain. Nazem Kadri had a broken thumb and he played a, through it. He yeah. won an overtime in the cup final. Game winning goal. <laughs> like, give me a. Val Nachushkin was There's, playing on a broken foot. Did, well, and now yeah. Val Nachushkin, because of all the other issues in his life, is now a full time villain. <laughs> That's true. Yep. <laughs> it doesn't even matter what really happened, what people think happened. None of it matters. Question for you. He has been decided upon. He is a bad guy. Do you think uh, in the rest of the hockey space that Nachushkin is on par in villainy with Corey Perry right now? No. I don't know. That's Corey Perry's been such an in-game bad guy for such a yeah, long time. There's a whole different that now there's that. questions yeah. about what went on in Chicago. And again, because nobody has an answer as to what happened in Chicago, it is the same thing as with Val Nachushkin. Everybody has decided what happened and that he's just yeah, a bad guy. Corey Perry's doing the actual villain thing where he goes and signs with Edmonton now. Well, and after Evander Kane, Edmonton's just like, yeah, we'll take the bad guys. Like, is there any more embracing of the bad guys in exactly. Edmonton? Yeah. <laughs> Please, Flames, we needed you. <laughs> Eric, do you ever get to play the villain in the NHL? Oh, uh, no. Do you prefer to play the hero? Well, you know, I think you'll prefer to play anything in the that's, NHL. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Every day is a great day in the NHL, right? And then, um, yeah, no, I mean, what? you're the guy talking about, hey, if you want to play in the NHL, yeah. you gotta, you gotta yeah, get into people's faces that's sometimes. Right. sometimes. You gotta do a little bit of. You gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, you saw Yanni Gord there a couple of games ago, and yeah. then you saw. I mean, I still think, like, gosh, maybe I'm naive, but the guy that hit Flurry there. Um, I don't think he meant to hit him. You know, that's, you know, even though you hear me all the time, like, hit the goalie. You know what I mean? Man I who doesn't condone violence over yeah, here. Yeah, I don't condone violence. But I don't think <laughs> As a goalie dad, off camera, always I mean, like, get that goalie. <laughs> <laughs> hit that goalie. Fall into him. I don't think he, I don't think he meant to, you know. But, but he did. But he did. Now, you talk about a villain. <laughs> He's a villain right now, that dude in Florida. Well, is that a, when, when should you lean in? To one of those situations. When you're good. Yeah. Nobody wants a... What was... Uh, Not when you're manning no, or whoever. No, nobody wants Dylan Brooks. Yeah, okay. All right? Nobody wants Dylan Brooks going into his his uh, his presser and being like, LeBron James sucks. <laughs> that guy's old. I'm going to show him what's up. And then LeBron eviscerates him. Yeah. <laughs> and he gets run out of town. Nobody likes a bad villain. We just want to watch the bad villain get dunked on. <laughs> You should embrace villainy when you're good, when you can walk the walk. When you face a sorry-ass receiver like Crabtree. Oh, man. <laughs> Akeem Tlaib was a great sports villain <laughs> because he would, he would just never shut up. He did some dirty things. He had some dirty things done to him, but he was awesome. He gave up some big plays, but he made some great ones, too. They shouldn't take it a little bit. Yeah. Great, great sports villain. But that's that's it. The, the, look, I didn't used to feel this way. The uh, rooting for the Houston Astros made me this way. <laughs> so for me, it's just like, look, you're you're never they will never get out of that. 30 years from now, people will be like cheating ass Houston Astros Yep. about that year's team. Yep. It won't matter. It will not matter. It is it is you against the world forever. Just embrace that. Embrace that because isn't that what sports is? 
It is you against 31 other franchises of however countless people who are, who are all working towards one goal. Only one team wins the last game of the season. Only one. It is you against everybody. That's right. Everybody out there. No, there's no, oh, hey, we're going to exchange jerseys on the ice afterwards and take a picture and, you know, oh, hey, can't wait to hang out with you in the summer when we're training. F all that during the season. It is you against everybody. Everyone should embrace the villain thing. Some of most of these franchises, like the St. Louis Blues, they're just not good enough to be a good villain. That's a sorry ass franchise that got lucky one time. Yep. One time. Here for this take. Otherwise, it's a sorry ass forgettable franchise. It's the worst villain. They are the Dylan Brooks of the <laughs> NHL. Jeez. The Avs, the Avs have won. The, 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 there was a conversation in our chat the other day about the Avs fans being spoiled. They are. We no, are. totally. We are. We've watched three Stanley Cups in 30 years. Give me a break. We've watched how many Hall of Famers? How many retired jerseys are justifiably hanging from Ball Arena? How many guys are wearing jerseys right now that will be hung? Yep. It's a spoiled franchise. It makes them a great villain. They're a yep. great villain. They should embrace it and just let it ride. Hopefully the Nuggets get there too. Hopefully the Nuggets are the next villain of the NBA. Turn into the Golden State Warriors. I'm here for it. It's the highest compliment in all of, of a team sport is to be the one franchise that everybody hates so much that they just want them to lose. That is it. Just please lose. What, the Patriots? Because they have won <laughs> so much. They have won so much that everybody else just wants them. That's all they care about. You know, I, I, oh. What is the even if it's a lesser of two evils? I just want this. These just please make the bad guys lose. Great, <laughs> embrace the shit out of it. It means you're good. It means you have a chance to be very special. Embrace and it. Don't be the sorry ass St. Louis Blues. Here for it. Here for all of that for the Avs. Okay. Uh, or Minnesota Wild. <laughs> take it where you can get it. Any uh, any final thoughts on WA on the NHL and anything you guys want to touch on before we get out of here today? No, no. I'm excited. I mean, I think it'll be fun. Cool. With the league is better with WA. Hell yeah! Uh, all right, that's gonna do it for today's show. Thank you everyone for hanging out with us. We will be back tomorrow with another off day show. So more interesting stuff to talk about. More. I don't know if we'll go around the league or maybe we'll dive into something the Avs. I don't know. We'll get back to you tomorrow on that. But we appreciate y'all, and we will talk to you on the next one. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.